With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Phil Mackey. He tells you things and you're like, oh, wow, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Judd Zolgad. One of the greatest screwballs I ever met in my life, but uh, interesting fellow. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPA. All right, welcome back. Mackey and Judd in the TCL Broadcast Studios. And if you missed it, Tom Thibodeau did the most Tom Thibodeau thing that Tom Thibodeau could possibly do, which is sign Derrick Rose for the rest of the season. The Wolves just sent out an email. It's official, so if you uh, if you missed it earlier, we'll get more into that later on. But uh, the, the Wolves need threes in defense, and Derek Derek Rose at this stage probably doesn't offer much of either. But he'll be on the team uh, the rest of the season. Let's shift gears here. Seth Davis, who uh, you guys out there listening, uh, you recognize him from March Madness coverage and CBS College Basketball. He's now with the Athletic and uh, is helping build that platform. And he has a new book out. And uh, it's 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 called Getting to Us, How Great Coaches Make Great Teams. And this Judd and I were just talking, Seth. Thanks for joining us. This is such a fascinating concept. You have examined the methods of nine of the most iconic coaches of this current era. So Urban Meyer, Mike Krzyzewski, Dabo Swinney, uh, Gina Ariema, and others. What like there's a million places we could go with this, but what are some of the the your favorite themes that you uncovered in deconstructing these great coaches? Well, you know, first of all, I appreciate you having me on. You know, I talked to nine of them: six basketball and three football. A couple others: Brad Stevens, Doc Rivers, Jim Beheim, Izzo, uh, Jim Harbaugh, and you know, access really became a critical component of this project. So as I was narrowing down my list. I wanted guys who won big but had interesting stories to tell. And so I was able to interview all these men, you know, a lengthy period of time, you know, multiple conversations going back. You know, a lot of times they would say to me, gosh, I feel like I'm in therapy here. (laughs) (laughs) And they were. They were because that's how I approached it. I mean, it's not just about, like, what plays they call or, you know, what what signs they hang up in their locker room. It's about who they were when they were growing up. I mean, really, for a male, uh, the first uh, formative experience you have is your relationship with your father. And maybe that's a lack of a relationship. Maybe the dad's not around. Maybe he was around, but he was a hard ass. Uh, maybe he wasn't a hard ass, but he was kind of emotionally distant and not really connected to you. Or maybe he was very doting and loving, and therefore you're motivated by trying to please him. So, uh, you know, you start with those relationships to your parents, your siblings, where you grow up, how you grew up, your education, and then the early path in your career where you formulate your character. So I isolated four character traits that I believe that all great coaches, all great leaders have and I created what I call the PEAK profile, P-E-A-K, which the acronym is Persistence, Empathy, 
authenticity and knowledge. And so at each stage of their life, chronicling how they, you know, learn to persist, how they learn to empathize with other people, um, how they figured out what works best for them, the knowledge they accumulated for their craft. So everyone wants to know, like, what's the secret to being a winning coach? The secret is there is no secret. It's the application of your craft, the learning, the developing, the character developing, the formulating of your of your world philosophy minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, in all the small but very important ways over a long period of time. And then you take all of those experiences and worldviews and you apply it to your team. How do you get a locker room of disparate personalities and genders, get them to us, get them to work towards a common goal? That's that's the purpose of the book. Hey, Seth, how, how about adjusting, too, or a- adapting? Because it, it looks like you talked to a large group of people who have been coaching for quite some time, which means their philosophies 25 years back m- might have been successful at that point. But certainly uh, young people and athletes have changed since then. How key has it been that they've been able to adapt and adjust as as the players themselves change in demeanor and expectations? Well, it's, it's a great question because especially at the college level, you know, guys like Mike Krzyzewski and Jim Beheimer in their 70s, Izzo's past 60, but their kids are staying the same age. And so, you know, how is it that somebody like Mike Krzyzewski, who just turned 72, is still relating on a very primal level with a team full of college freshmen? I'll just give you one example. One thing that Coach K does is he makes a point to listen to their music. He wants to know the music they're listening to, and then he listens to them during his own workouts and in his car, and then um, and he likes it, and it keeps him young. And then when he's talking to the team, he might make a reference to a song that they know, and that perks up their attention. So as he says to me, that tells them I'm living in their world. So adapting, you know, Jim Beheim had a great quote with me. You know, the key to you know this being successful over a long period of time is being able to change without appearing weak. And so you want to adapt, but that you also don't want to sacrifice and change who you are. That's the authenticity piece, because there is no one right way to do this, but there is one right way for you, right? I mean, if you look at Jim Harbaugh on the sidelines, he looks like a raving maniac. You look at Brad Stevens on the sidelines, you wonder if the guy even has a pulse. (laughs) But both their teams went. So it's about finding that way to authentically come into your own leadership style that is a huge component to winning. Uh, Seth Davis is our guest here, and if you guys are interested in checking out the book, it's called Getting to Us, How Great Coaches Make Great Teams. And we've kind of touched on uh, like the we've kind of touched on this peripherally, but we say this about football coaches all the time, especially NFL coaches. You never see an NFL coach who looks spry and healthy. They always look overweight and stressed and they never sleep. And it, it, it seems like in sports, and maybe this applies outside of sports too, that the most successful people are oftentimes the least satisfied people. Do you notice that in, in the coaches and the legends that you've talked to? Is that a theme? No, no question. And you've actually hit on a very major recurring theme in the book is, you know, how do you go about this life and this work um, while still experiencing joy? You know, um, a lot of them don't. I mean, like Doc Rivers told me, talked about how, you know, when the Celtics won the championship, here's this culmination of his entire life in, this, in the game of basketball. God knows when or if it'll ever come around again. And so they had their celebration on the court, and then afterwards he was in his office hanging out with his wife and his family, some people coming in, and then he's like, all right, let's go home. So he goes home, and it wasn't until later in the night that he realized he never even went into the locker room. So he, he got to his office, he's like, man, that was great. How am I going to do that again? i gotta, <laughs> yeah. I got to get that again next year. How, like his mind was already there, and he didn't even go to the locker room to celebrate. So he's saying to himself, boy, I'm, you know, he's kind of kicking himself over that. He's like, "Well, if we win it again, I want to have the biggest party ever." Well, guess what? They never had that party. Yeah, Nick Saban. Um, Nick Saban. I remember a couple. It was like three years ago after he got done winning the national championship, and 
And he said in the interview with ESPN, he said something like, uh, it's, uh, we got to start recruiting in a couple days. Like, what? Pour a cocktail, dude. Kick your feet up. Yes. Actually, you know what? The, the actual quote was that he was pissed because he missed like a couple weeks right. of recruiting while he was coaching for that game. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, it's that inability. And listen, you understand why someone like Urban Meyer almost coached himself into an early grave. I mean, he certainly coached himself into an ambulance. I mean, he was pushing himself so hard. He had won two national championships. But it's like you create this beast, first of all, and so now you have to feed the beast. You have all these responsibilities. You lose your assistance, so more comes on you. Uh, Expectations, pressure. And then there's just that sense that when you have that success, I cannot take my foot off the gas even a little bit because if I do, the guy behind me is going to pass me. So how do I maintain my edge? And the way they do that is by um, you know not letting themselves feel that joy, feel that satisfaction. I would say in my book, one exception to that is Dabo Sweeney. And part of that is because he went through some extraordinary hardships growing up. You know, growing up in Alabama, his father, when Dabo was a senior in high school, his father became a raging alcoholic and was a mean drunk. So he would come home and abuse his mom and throw a Christmas tree across the living room and the cops would come. So basically Dabo's senior year of high school, he and his mom were homeless. His brothers were off to college. They were staying at friends' houses. They were sleeping in the car, a motel here and there. He gets to Alabama. She has no place to live, so she lived in his dorm room for two years. Um, and so, you know, out of that hardship, and his faith is a very important part of his story, um, you know, I said to him, well, well why did you, how did you get through it? He said, listen, you make a choice. You make a choice to view things a certain way and to have faith that things are going to work out. And I think that's given him a, a deep appreciation. He wants to make sure his players feel that. He keeps everything fun, everything light, um, and tries you know, never to get too down after a loss. So he, he's somebody who, who goes about it with a joyful spirit, but I would say that's the exception. So Seth, from your standpoint too, going into a project like this, how, how do you build trust with a lot of people who are probably paranoid at times and certainly don't want to give away uh, trade secrets that they might have? Talk, talk to us about the process that you have of allowing these guys to let their guard down enough to give you material for a book. Well, you know, it's what I do. It's, it's a it's a challenge for sure. Yeah. Um, and you know, part of it, like with the basketball guys, I knew all those guys from covering basketball, so it was a lot easier because I've established trust with them over a long period of time. Um, the other ones I'd gotten to know, you know, on various levels. Really, uh, Dabo out of the three of them, I knew the best. And so, and and he's he's pretty excellent. I mean, look, Dabo has been very open with his hardships and his family story, partly because his dad, you know, later in his life was able to give up drinking and he reconcile and and close the loop on a lot of things, which is, makes it a very uh, inspiring story. But uh, no, it's definitely not easy. But I think once you get them. Um, once they know your intentions, all these guys are really good about reading people. Like, that's what they do. So when you show up and they, they know you've done your homework and you can talk to them honestly about what you want to write and you ask a question and you explain why um, you're asking the question, at the end of the day, I've found that uh, people like talking about themselves. Yeah. <laughs> so if you show a genuine interest in them and their lives, um, most of the time they'll open up to you. But it's yeah. definitely a challenge. Uh, we got about uh, 30 seconds or a minute left. You want to be respectful of your time, Seth Davis. But do you Thank have any, you. any words of wisdom for or any uh, words of encouragement for depressed Gopher basketball fans here in Minnesota? Uh, I wish I had more for you. Um, <laughs> you know, they certainly had high hopes coming into the season. Um, look, a lot of things happened with the team, obviously the Reggie Lynch situation first and foremost, but then they had a bunch of injuries. And um, I, I think the fact that the program was getting to a point where had not, had those things not happened, those disruptions not happened, they were well on their way to being a top 
20, top 15, maybe even a top 10 team, I think. So that should tell you that, you know, Richard is a guy who knows the types of players who can succeed there, knows the types of guys he wants to coach. Hopefully, you know, some of them will be back next year and he has a foundation to build on. So, um, I would say, you know, take the long view, try to be a little bit patient. I know fans are not naturally patient, but they're, they, they were certainly headed in the right, uh, direction. Um, before the bottom fell out, and so there's no reason why they can't resume that that momentum as long as everybody, you know, kind of keeps their cool heads about them and 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 applies just a little bit of patience for the rebuild. Right on, Seth Davis. Uh, the book is getting to us how great coaches make great teams. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Seth. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. I hope everyone enjoys the tournament. All right, Seth Davis. Find him on CBS, by the way, during uh, March Madness, and uh, you can follow him on Twitter. He's with the Athletic. That was good stuff. It's really yes, fascinating. Yes, if if you can get get to a group of guys like that and actually get them uh, to open up, it's really good. Yeah, because they are guarded. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking about a, a group of people that are ordinarily does not. You know, they would prefer not to tell you what day of the week it is. Right. If they don't have to. Right. Uh, let's come back here. I, Derek Rose is, is talking to the media right now at Target Center. He's got his Wolves warm-up jersey on. I don't think he's on crutches. Doesn't look like he is. I don't think there's a knee brace. Well, I think he's just walking normally right now. All right. For now. Now we're piling on now. But I, I, I've got a couple thoughts on Tom Thibodeau and uh, and what this signing confirms. Mackie and Judd. The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. All right. Bring it in. We all ready? On 1500 ESPN. Judd is uh, fixated on the flow here. Yeah, I'm going to turn around here. No no offense, Dave, but I'm going to turn around so I can watch the uh, beginning of the high school hockey tournament. Yeah, you and Judbot 3000 are very invested in the tournament began yesterday. Oh, tournament's Jay. just getting started right now. We're about to face it off. Yeah, Congratulations to Hermantown and um the other schools that won in the high school hockey tournament yesterday. I am sure it was some good hockey and a wonderful experience for all the kids involved. Do you know what I miss? I will tell you. I miss the days when none of these schools would sniff the tournament because the big schools would beat them bloody in the section tournaments. Those were the days. When the tournament actually showcased the best teams in the state instead of trying to give a trophy to everyone. It's nice that they get to play, but don't tell me the kids that win in Class A are state champs. They aren't. It's a fraud. Wow. 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 That's what the bot thinks. I'm not going to agree, but I will say I think the bot's very smart. Very perceptive. (laughs) Got bot 3000, very perceptive. Wow. But anyway, the state tournament's about to start right now, so I'm very excited. Lake you Illinois are probably tonight. asking yourself, Judd Bot, you love hockey. You must be really into the high school tournament, right? Well, my answer is this. Honestly, I don't care much about the Class A tournament, but the AA does pique my interest. I mean, how can you not be excited to see these kids, especially the seniors who might be moving on to a gopher career? playing in what could possibly be the last meaningful hockey game of their lives. Once they get to the U, they will be buried under fan apathy and the underwhelming play that is go for Big Ten hockey. These bums just got swept two weeks in a row by Penn State, a team that has only been in Division One for five years. Pride on ice. <laughs> the he's coming out swinging. Oh, he's so negative. He's coming out swinging. I love the bot. So, uh, the Timberwolves have signed Derrick Rose. It's official. And he just delivered his first press conference here. Yeah, he was there this morning. Uh, Thibodeau was asked about, I'm getting some of this from Johnny K, some of it from uh, other publications. He says, uh, he did. He says he's excited to play for Tom Thibodeau again, might actually play tonight. I'm just going to read 22 this. minutes. 
Tom Thibodeau and Rose's ups and downs, including the trial, because he had a he had a sexual assault or a rape trial right at one point. I knew who Derek is. I know who he is. I spent a lot of time with him. Um, he's confirming that he's a good guy in the mind of Tom Thibodeau. He, here's the thing: like I was just making a checklist during the commercial break before Tom Thibodeau got here. If you made a list of all the stereotypes, Tom Thibodeau stereotypes, mm-hmm. and we're almost two full years into this thing, and they're winning, like they're in the playoffs right now. If the playoffs started today, so mm-hmm. so checkbox number one is he's a winning basketball coach. So you can check that box. He's a winning basketball coach. But you can check all these other boxes, too. He's playing out all of the Tom Thibodeau stereotypes. Menacing personality who is sort of abrasive and not not exactly the most fun-loving guy. Check. Mm-hmm. Not that we expected that to be different. A lot of two-pointers. Kind of an antiquated offensive system. Not going to build out a roster of three-point shooters and in, a, in a league where three-point shooting is at an all-time high. Check. Yep. Check. Yep. Nostalgia. Constantly looking for the guys that that you know, he built a team with in Chicago. Check, check. Comfortable with them. And check. Yep. And wasn't there another guy last year? Um, who was it? Like Karan? Was it Karan Butler? He had somebody else in camp, like the beginning of the first year. Yeah. So, so he, lo- check. he loves his security blankets. Yeah. How about Hero Ball in the fourth quarter? That was a big criticism when Derrick Rose, before the injury, 2011, 2012, where they would just clear out and Derrick Rose dribble to the hoop and put a floater up or got fouled. That was Chicago's offense, and it was highly criticized by people who followed that team. It's just not efficient. They, they stop running plays and just clear out for Derrick Rose. Now it's the same way. It's just Jimmy Butler, and now he's on the shelf, so it's other guys. It's not Towns. They're not running plays. Check. Injuries and minutes. Check. Like, you can check every single box that you thought you'd be able to check stereotypes of Tom Thibodeau. A couple years ago. So what's your conclusion then? That this well, my was... conclusion is that there's a, a mixed bag here. I... As a coach, obviously he can squeeze wins out of a team, but yeah. I, I, I go back to what I said at the end of the Doogie segment last hour. If you rolled a ball out there on a team with Jimmy Butler, Carl Anthony Towns, and NBA players around them, like you could roll that ball out and finish at least close to the playoffs. Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns are two of the 12 best players in the world. So it doesn't take a whole lot to coach them to, you know, top half of the Western Conference when when half the teams go to the playoffs. That's my point. I just your angst is very real on this. Yes, your yes. angst is your. He's not. He's not. He's not impressing a whole. I would lot. ask Dave this: Does does Phil's angst on this now border on on what has at times been my my wild angst? Because I sense it's very close in some ways. It's bordering. Yeah, I'll give you that for sure. A frustration. A yeah. frustration of what you're seeing that doesn't make sense to you, and it's grow and and it's also, um, it's also now things starting to repeat themselves. Yeah, and it's still kind of early stage because it's only the second year of this collection, and it's the first year of Jimmy Butler, really. So it's the it's like the first year of the collection. But who knows? Maybe maybe they missed the playoffs, and uh, maybe Tom Thibodeau is the Mark Jackson. I don't think anything happens. And another guy comes this in. Time, though, because they're, they're going to say, well, they wouldn't have missed the playoffs if Jimmy Butler hadn't got hurt, and they'll blame it on the loss of Butler. You know what bugs me about this in, entire thing? The thing that bugs me the most about today is, is what we talked to Doogie about in the scoop. If Glenn Taylor really stepped in, if Tibbs was very tempted to do a Wiggins non-marketing, so you get marketing, if Glenn Taylor stepped in, stepped in front of the bus and said, you are not doing done and Wiggins to Chicago. 
This is where I think we continue to have the exact same problem, too. Yeah, the the one common denominator here for 25 years has been Glenn Taylor. That would be ownership malpractice. But if Tom if Tom Thibodeau could tell you behind the scenes that he is not shocked by Andrew's passiveness, whatever his problem is, if Tibbs can say, personally, I would have liked to shop him and done, marketing's a hell of a player. If you could have landed Jimmy Butler and kept the seventh pick in marketing, that changes your roster again quite a bit. And and then Zach's still here, right? I want you to that think bothers about me. that bothers me. Think about the lunacy. Forget about the pieces involved and whatever you think of Tom Thibodeau now as a as a fan or a follower of this team. Like, and I'm very skeptical about some of these decisions. Uh-huh. Um, jury is still out enough. We'll 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 let this thing play out and see what what they can do. But there's been a lot of questionable to just like negligent things, whether it's X's nose on the court or. The defense has been one of the worst in the NBA. They're allowing 110 points per game and all these things. But let's put all that aside. If you're the owner of a professional sports organization and you're hiring experts to run the organization for you, Scott Layden and Tom Thibodeau, or guy A and guy B, and you're going to pay upwards of $10 million a year for that combo, right? If they deem, if Doogie's right, and they were kicking around the idea of Andrew Wiggins and forget about the names. They were kicking around the idea of trading these players for that player with Chicago. Why would you ever step in if you're the owner in that situation? If you're paying $10 million a year for that front office and you trust those guys to make decisions and that's why you're hiring them, like there's a reason why you're hiring them, and then you step in when it's time to make a big decision and put up the stop sign, that is unfathomably ridiculous to me. Like, I... Own the team, be a fan, hire and empower people that you trust, put your trust in them, and let them make the decisions. Don't step in when they say, you know what, we might have a chance to get well, this player for these players, and we really, with our expertise that you trust because you hired us, yeah. really feel like this is the right decision. I don't know. Well, and also keep in mind, too, that if, if you're going to hire uh, or, or you hired a Tibbs to, to run this team with Layden and you brought them in for a season, this is a fresh set of eyes. This is two people who know a ton about basketball, didn't probably know a ton about your franchise. And so you're saying, basically what you're saying is assess things. They come back to you and say, okay, we want to trade Wiggins because one, we don't think he's a max contract player. And two, we've seen enough in a year to know he's not changing. And you say, can't do that. He was Flip's guy, can't do that. That goes back to being the massive problem that you've had for 25 years here. That goes back to being the same problem. And and the perfect people to evaluate Wiggins were people who were new. Because those are the people that you want to come in and say, we know a ton about basketball, and we can tell you right now, he's not going to change. Yeah, and again, like if, if you feel the need as an owner in that situation to step in and veto a potential trade, you're basically overriding the expertise of the guys that you hired to be experts. So, that, yeah. so in that case, so if you don't trust them you to totally make that are. decision, then you've made a bad hire. So again, it's on you. No matter what, it's on you as the owner. You hire smart people, you back off, you let them run the franchise. Mm-hmm. You didn't make your billions running a, a basketball franchise. Correct. So let let this be your playpen and let the people that you hire run the franchise. And if you don't trust them to do that, if well, this is all true, like if, if, if they could have, if they tried to trade Andrew Wiggins, if mm-hmm. Doogie's right, like... 
It's just it's ownership malpractice. And you just signed this guy now to a five-year, $146 million contract that's going to kick in in July and be a pain in your ass for years to come. But, hey, you met beforehand just to, hey, I, hey I'm going to give you a lot of money. I can trust you, right? That, oh, for sure. That, yeah. stru- that whole storyline struck me as very odd. Like, Glenn Taylor should not, that should not be Glenn Taylor's job. Now, if Tibbs wants to say, I'm going to sit down with the player and and we are going to hash things out, that's fine. Because you employ you employ that guy as a head coach and president of basketball operations. But the does the owner, so is Glenn thinking like this is, if he has a problem at the Star Tribune, he's going to go to the sports department there tomorrow and be like, I'm going to sit down with the head of the sports department. Uh, you know, it's a, you, you've hired these people to do their jobs. You don't know. Andrew Wiggins is going to sit there and tell you, Glenn, I love you. I love you. I love you. Now write the check. Yeah. And then you're going to say, what? This is great. Okay. There's a certain He's like, on board. There's a certain kiss the ring yes uh, component. That, that to I that. don't like it all. But at the same time, if you feel like you have, if you're if you're about to give a guy in a salary cap league twenty or twenty five thirty million dollars a year on average, it's going to be an escalating uh, contract. Yeah. If you're kind of wondering about that guy's work ethic and desire and just like attitude toward getting better, if you're like even questioning that. Maybe you shouldn't give him a five-year contract right. for 150 but million dollars. But wouldn't you give that if if you were if you were genuinely concerned and thought there was a chance that the player would improve, and you own the team though, wouldn't you tell the guy who ran the team, "I want you to suss this out. This is your job." Of course. Like, and, and if you're wrong, you might get fired for it. Of course. But I mean, yes. this is I don't want I don't want Glenn Taylor sitting down with players because they are going to assure him. And guess what? Professional athletes, last time I checked, can be pretty damn convincing. Yeah. I'm just like going through our Twitter mentions here, too. Like, everyone is so down on this Derrick Rose move. Here's Bryce. No, with about 14 O's to Rose. Why is all of this happening? He's ancient. He isn't sure if he wants to play basketball. By the way, ancient only in terms of wear and tear. He's not even 30 years old yet. He's still technically age-wise in his basketball Feels prime. Like he's seventy-five. Are they going to are they going to send a psychiatrist to the team? Um, yeah, a lot of other people. Uh, K. Donna in active desperation. Can't the Wolves get fined by the league for such obvious <laughs> attempts at tanking with signing Derrick Rose? Ridiculous, Dave. What kind of questions are you going to throw our way next? I might force you guys to look at the bright side of signing Derrick Rose. I'm not sure if that's too mean or not. We'll find out. And uh, I want to get back into the Twins and Jose Barrios, as we discussed earlier. All right. And uh, Lakeville North, Edina playing right now just a few minutes after a puck drop. No score yet. No score, Edina and Lakeville North. The Judbot is definitely paying attention oh, to the Judbot loves this Double A he's fine with. This it's is the, the real deal. Mackie. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. These men are consummate snowball artists. Mackey and Judd. Is this true? Yes, it's true. On 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackie and John. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. Uh, Derek Rose is still talking. Quote from John Krasinski. I think I can play the game with anybody. To tell you the truth, I know the game in terms of like teammates. I'm not a selfish player. I'm not here for the stats or anything like that. I just want to win. Like, dude, LeBron James is the most unselfish superstar since Magic Johnson. And you couldn't even... He played like 19 games in Cleveland. I don't know if they were... At some point, he was on the bench and just not playing. Yeah. You can't get on the court with LeBron James? I don't know, man. Anyways, Dave's got some questions for us. 
Go Boy, on. you're down on this club, Phil, and that's perfect I'm, I'm for this such question. A, I'm a being a buzzkill today. And you I'm really sorry. are. You really are. I didn't I'm sleep en- well last night. I'm enjoying night. this. The Wolves signed Derrick Rose. I'm enjoying this. How long you ago? You and Judbot are very negative today. God. How long ago was it that you made the proclamation that Carl Anthony Towns and Tom Thibodeau together would win not one, but multiple <laughs> NBA championships? Did I say that? Multiple. Not, not three. Did we, did we, I'm not sure. If, I think I remember sure I that, that coming from your lips. Yeah. I did say that. Anyway... Mm-hmm. Truth serum time. I meant Steph Curry and Steve Kerr. I, really? I, sometimes I get them mixed up in my head. That happens. Carl, Kerr. Right. It's, yeah. yeah, it's all, yeah. Um, all right. Truth serum time. All right. You have to tell me the 100% absolute truth right now. Both of you. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. Going into this season, there was a lot of hope, a lot of you know promise. And, of course, Jimmy Butler hurt. And now this. How much, what percentage of your being is now hoping the Wolves miss the playoffs simply out of spite. Go ahead, Phil. You're the That's one who's on a roll question. today. Of course it is. Because I think there's a chance it's fairly high. <laughs> Serves <sighs> them right. Such a complicated question. Did you, is it a percentage? Did you say percentage? <laughs> yes. What go percentage ahead, of your total being now? I mean, you go were ahead, all Becca. in 100%. Time. Let's go to the playoffs when oh. the season kicked off. I Okay. <laughs> there's been a lot of times I'm going to... I'm gonna, Back my way into this answer. Unpack this thing. There's been a lot of times, especially as a U of M alum and a gopher football and basketball fan, where I have found myself not just kind of maybe rooting for losses to change a coach, but like wearing the other team's (laughs) jersey, hoping that Tim Brewster gets beat 46 to 3 so that there can be another coach. Like I have thought that before. I thought Tracy Clay's butchered the entire handling of the boycott situation so badly. I was rooting for Washington State in the bowl game, even though Clay's was going to get he wasn't going to get renewed anyways. I would say it's like twenty percent right now. I'm more mad about just the lack of creativity from Tom Thibodeau and all the stereotypical stuff. Just feels like it's hero ball. It's Carl Anthony Towns and Jimmy Butler, and they're not playing any defense as a team. Really, they're giving up 110 points per game. Like, what's he adding? What is Tom Thibodeau besides Jimmy Butler, which is a great ad? Don't get me wrong. I just don't know what he's adding right now. He's adding Derrick Rose to the roster. So I I think life would be better as a Minnesota sports fan if the Wolves were playing a first-round playoff series against, you know, Oklahoma City or whoever winds up. It's going to be like a seven or an eight-seed situation for the Wolves. So they might actually play Houston or Golden State in the first round. Yeah, that'd be and good night, yeah. Irene, if that happens. That'd be out in four. If they can get to the sixth seed between three yeah. and six, they'll be... They'll have a better chance. My write that down will will not uh, come true. But it's definitely non-zero. Like I, part of me, if they miss the playoffs, would think, all right, you got you got what what's coming to you. You didn't build up the rest of the roster. You didn't coach defense. All those things. Uh from me, zero percent. I do not have enough room in my heart for for despising or hating the, the Wolves when I damn well know that the Wild tomorrow night's going to go to Vancouver and lay an egg, and then they're going to follow that up by getting Connor McDavid on set on Saturday and Sun uh, and on Monday I'm going to come back in the studio and Judd Bot and I are going to be so upset we can't see straight. I don't have room in my heart for that much hate. I hope the Wolves make the playoffs. I got my own problems. I got Charlie Coyle, okay? I don't need Derrick Rose, <laughs> Andrew Wiggins. I can I can't concern myself with them. I have too many other points of frustration in St. Paul. Listen to you calling out Charlie Coyle. That's not a typical uh typical call out from you, Judd. 
Impressive. You're moving on from Miko and Surpr- Suits and Zach Actually, and the, all the, the others. Actually, the surprise Judd found Charlie Coyle uh, thinking about the Wild. He's hard to spot sometimes. <laughs> Actually, the, Koi- the Koivu line last game played fine. They played okay. God, we are just It's always going to be somebody today. with that group, though. It's always going to be some underachieving pig. Go ahead. <laughs> Let's look at their Salty Rose. today. We're salty today. Yeah, that's that's great. The Wild just scored set, like seven it's goals salt, the other night. It's a salty Thursday. Oh, Edina just scored again. What did I tell you during the break? You're right. This Lakeville North goalie okay, is not This good. Lakeville North goalie is he like just, not seeing the puck. He just it's got bad. steamrolled, too. He got Vikings planted jerseys. on that goal. Edina, wow. write it down. Edina scores at least six goals. I said that after the first goal, by the way. They're going to score at least six. No, that's not an official write that down, though. I'm sorry. It's this is a jugger. Oh, oh, terrible turnover. Matt Dumba-like whiff by the defense. That's not the goal. Oh, Number oh, 11, what terrible. are you doing? You're right. It was very Dumba-like. That was, oh, Dumba had one of those in the game the two other Two nights ago. Like, oh, oh he completely, God. the last two games that I've been to, he's given oh. pucks away. It's been awful. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, he's pretty good offensively, but. All right, question two. Oh, that let's... kid just gagged on a big stage, too. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, son. Turn that around. Make a play. You are probably asking yourself, Judd Bot, you love hockey. You must be really into the high school tournament, right? Well, my answer is this. Honestly, I don't care much about the Class A tournament, but the AA does pique my interest. I mean, how can you not be excited to see these kids, especially the seniors who might be moving on to a gopher career, playing in what could possibly be the last meaningful hockey game of their lives. Once they get to the U, they will be buried under fan apathy and the underwhelming play that is gopher Big Ten hockey. These bums just got swept two weeks in a row by Penn State, a team that has only been in Division One for five years. Pride on ice. Jesus. <laughs> so mean. Judd Bot 3000. Ah. <laughs> anyway, question two, Derek Rose. All right, let's say you get Tom Thibodeau in a room right now, one-on-one, and he's going to tell you the truth about why... He decided Derrick Rose would be a good fit in Minnesota. He's not a dumb guy. He knows basketball. Speaking of Tibbs, clearly he saw some positives. Clearly he thinks there's a very good reason or reasons to bring Derrick to Minnesota. What are those reasons, and are they good reasons? Uh, Starting uh, with the second question, no. The answer is no, they're (laughs) not. Uh, Tibbs would tell you, comfort, leadership. I'm looking for those things. He, he's always going to go back to what he knows. He's always going to go back to uh, the first girlfriend, the first wife, the first whatever. This is just this is a man who I get. I almost guarantee you because I've I've been told, not surprisingly, that Tibbs loves uh, fine dining in this town. I bet you goes to three restaurants. I bet you he's Murray's. I bet you he's Manny's, and like pick a third, maybe four. La Grassa? But I mean, this is this is him, and, and I don't think it's him as a basketball coach. Mm. I think this is Tibbs. It's all about what he perceives to be leaders and people he's comfortable with. Yeah, so uh, no X's and O's then. Comfort oh no, leadership. That's it. No, no, not no, no, not from. I mean, Rose knows the system, but no, I don't think that this move. I think this move is being made based on he's familiar with the system and with Tibbs. What was the question again? It was if Tibbs is going to tell you the truth, the positive reasons he's bringing Derek. What are those reasons? And in your mind, are they good reasons? Uh, very good reasons because blackmail. It must be blackmail. There must be photos. There's got to be something. I don't know. Tom Thibodeau at a you know questionable Swedish massage place. That's the only thing I can think of. 
Or just Tim's like Tim's isn't married. You can't blackmail him on that. He's not going to care. That's a good point. So then, then, then the answer to the second part of the question is no. It wouldn't be a good reason then. Oh, if you said Tibbs, I caught you cheating on basketball. That might be enough. <laughs> no, can't go, can't so, go public with that. I'm, I'm so sorry, basketball. I'm so sorry. Give me a second chance. <laughs> no. All right, final question. Let's play the three words or three phrases game with Jose Barrios, and it's three different questions. Jose Barrios, uh, his career up until this point, Major League career, has been blank. You expect this season to be blank, and in three years, you will think of him as blank. Ooh. Um, so his career to this point has has is off to a really good start. Bunch of strikeouts. He does give you the clunker once in a while, but you know he uh, in a in a league where pitchers had a hard time getting outs last year, kind of like the steroid era, and he posted a sub four ERA, really good. Um, at, at the end of this year, I think he'll be regarded as a good, solid playoff rotation caliber starting pitcher, a good, solid number two, and down the road, I think he'll be one of the best starting pitchers in the American League. Once Corey Kluber takes his turn and Chris Sale. We're talking like four or five years down the road. Um, I don't know if we're going to be multiple Cy Youngs like a Johan Santana, but he's got that type of skill and that type of stuff. So in, this road is headed toward Barrios being one of the best pitchers in the American League. I'm going to fill in the blank with one word apiece, Dave. I'm going to say up to this year so far, he's been satisfactory. I will uh, I will hyphenate the next one and say I expect this year to be eye-opening. And in three years, I believe the word that you will use for him is ace. So I think he's been, I think so far he's been he's been good. And I mean, there, there have been some very good starts. There have been some certainly uh, disappointing starts, especially a couple of years back. I think this is the year, that, though, that he takes the eye-opening step. And then I think in three years, you will regard him as the Twins ace. Yeah. Or an ace on, on a staff. Yeah. He's, He'll uh, be that type pitcher. Yeah. And he's still like, I mean, he's, what, 22? Oh, yeah. 23 or something? Yep. So imagine if now the elephant in the room here is I don't think he's had Tommy John surgery yet, so he might as well schedule that in at some point the next five years. Okay. The, the odds are in three not years, just Twins pitchers, but every pitcher. Yeah, yeah. Um, two nothing, Edina over Lakeville North right now with four oh five left in the first period. Did you guys do a a bracket this year? I did not do one. Uh, no. There's one going around the office, but yeah, no, I didn't. Apparently, do it. a six year old won the office pool. Like someone's hmm. son or daughter won it last year. Beats a dog. Didn't a dog? Didn't a dog win the bracket like two years ago? In our building, I thought. I thought. Yeah, I thought someone's dog won the bracket, and there was a big controversy about if it should be allowed or not. How did the dog make the picks? Well, the guy sat down and then did the picks for his dog, but he he submitted the picks as the dog. He said, "My dog won," well, and I think then. it was a big. Oh, it was fraud. No, yeah, he did the picks for the dog. But no. I'm just saying, at least a six-year-old. Tommy and Tigger love. That's what I was going to say. You could have nominated them. Yeah. That, de- that <laughs> turnover by the Lakeville North kid was brutal, though. Tommy Tigger wouldn't have proved. It was bad. Uh, Matthew Collar will join in about 25 minutes, 30 minutes on Vikings. And uh, the numbers, we have a couple open segments if you want to chime in. On Derek Rose, 651-646-8255-877-615-1500 from the TCL Broadcast Studio. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Give each other $20, okay? Put it on Underhill. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Kick off your running season with 1500 ESPN at Twin Cities in Motion's Hot Dash 5K and 10 Mile. Coming up Saturday, March 24th, bring your Lumberjack best to this Minnesota-themed event. It features a top 10 
U.S. post-race beer garden, live DJ photo booth activities for all ages, plus hot dish and the beer, courtesy of Summit Brewing Company. Registration is now open, and all runners will receive a Storm Creek long sleeve quarter zip tactical pullover. Details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. 3 nothing, you done. Yeah, you called this. Three, nothing you know. 46 seconds left in the first period. Yeah, you called this That's one. That's Time for a goaltending change if you are, are uh, Lakeville North. That's a wrap for this one, I think. Uh, so, never know. Yeah, open phone lines for the next couple segments. There's a lot of things on the table here, but uh, the main thing we've been talking about is Derek Rose is now a Timberwolf. We're both, we, you and I are both really salty right now today. We're salty, but but you're more salty about Rose. I'm just salty. Six five one six four six eight two five five. Salty is your general. Like you wake up in the morning, salty. It's kind of your mm-hmm. your demeanor is more mm-hmm. salty than mine. Howard, Howard in hey. Chicago, talk me off a ledge here. Hey Howard, I don't think. First of all, good morning, gentlemen. Derek Rose is not coming in to be the savior. <laughs> He's coming in to play ten to fifteen minutes a game because Butler's out. But let's examine it more. Down the stretch, who do we have on this team that takes a shot? A clutch shot. And I'm not saying Derek Rose is a clutch shooter, but he's not afraid to shoot the ball. Yeah. And there is nobody. Taj is not going to take the clutch shot. The ball isn't getting into the center, so he ain't, he ain't taking enough shots. It's Wiggins or Teague? Well, I mean, but the thing is, this is my, my beef, though. I, Carl Anthony Towns shoots the ball two and a half times on average or three times in the fourth quarter. And that's mostly because they go into that hero ball mode that Tom Thibodeau teams have done for 10 years. They don't get the ball to their most efficient scorer. I, I don't think that's – I think you get problems with your point guards being Teague or sometimes Tyrus are not getting it there. In Chicago, they did not have a great shooting center. You know, so don't, don't, it's not – that's not his fault. And Butler is a great player. You need to get the ball obviously more to Cat, but I think you need the veteran – who doesn't care about shooting that much, but will take the clutch shot. What does Rose like have, have left, though? For for 12 to 15 minutes a game, yeah. that's what he's got left. That's all. He's not coming in to start. I, I have a it, feeling, Howard, thank you for the phone call. I, We're going to get to another call here, too. But um, here, here's the other thing, and this is small sample size alert because it's only it's he only played 16 games with the Cavs this year. So what type of shots are usually taken in those roles, fourth quarter, Mm-hmm. It's 16 feet and out, right? It's like mid-range shot. It's inefficient mid-range shots or three-pointers. Mm-hmm. That's how the Wolves do it in the fourth quarter. Derrick Rose from 16 feet and out is shooting under 30% this year. Now, to his credit, from mid-range last year, he was 43 45% much better. But then the years before that, again, you don't you don't want him taking those shots. Early in his career, he was pretty lethal from mid-range. Um, sure, and and but he's just not the same player as he That's was. That's what I was going to say. What's left is my question. And do you do you trust Tibbs to use him? If, if there is a good way to use him, if there is a correct way to use him, do you trust Tibbs to use him in that correct manner? Yeah, I, I, the only way Tibbs knows how to use Derrick Rose is just go dribble the the air out of the ball and uh, yeah. take any shot you want. Let's take a call here from Jake. You're on with Mackie and Jeb. What's up, Jake? Hey guys, uh, going back to yesterday, you were talking about Dozier. I have a series of statements. Number one, sign sign Brian Dozier. Number two, this is sort of a parenthesis. I'm a huge uh, Falvey fan. He'll go down as the number one acquisition in the history, free agent, I should say, in the history of this organization. So I'm not knocking him. 
But like you guys said yesterday, Nick Gordon's a lottery ticket in his, uh, like, most realistic outcome. He's probably a one-war type of uh, second base option. So, yeah, we might overpay for, for second base, but let's have something nice here in Minnesota. Let's have Dozier as a twin for life. When uh, the Twins turned it around, we showed up at Target Field and we put the ratings on FSN. So let us have something nice here. It's kind of similar to Torrey Hunter uh, when he left for Anaheim, where he was, a, you know, but in his case, he was a fading center fielder that was, become a, was going to become a corner outfielder. Here we still have a plus second baseman, top 15 war in the American League. Let's keep him. I'm, uh, that's my, uh, my hope for the Twins this year. Jake, thank you. You know what I love most about that call? We have smart listeners now bringing wins above replacement to their to their you know, <laughs> repertoire of of uh, you know facts to back up they their come opinions. Armed, I love it. What you're saying? We got sabermetricians calling into our show. How many shows can say that? We got sabermetricians calling in talking baseball. Oh, I'm sure Patrick does too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the ride. If you have any war questions, dial me up. They've got AARP matricians is what they've got. I've got war on. Show. I've got war on the St. John's and St. Thomas players. Yeah. We're going to go over that next. Uh, speaking of saber matricians, so should the Twins think about implementing the same strategy? Apparently, Tampa Bay is going to implement with their pitching staff this year. We can do that. We'll talk some Vikings with Matthew Collar, and it's a three nothing Edina over Lakeville North. First intermission here in the Class Two A uh, bracket. Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studio.